Abba Yahweh, your truth, knowledge, and wisdom to be delivered again today, Father. Thank you for the opportunity to be your conduit. They that have an ear, let them hear. Seek your truth, knowledge, and wisdom, Father. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakritos, Aman. So, thinking about these things, delivering this... Uh, this morning and going through the word of God, things that we tend to forget, those that even claim to be Christian, self-proclaimed, or label heads, each and every day we should rejoice in the day, rising in the morning, beginning by talking to God, laying out the day, following him. Be joyful in the day and rejoice in it, for it is the day that the Lord has made. And I've heard many, <laughs> uh, even the Christians, quote unquote, air quotes, I, I hate those things, but they gripe and grumble and complain about the day. And then, when they have somebody point out to them that it's the day that God has made and, and gave them breath and they they should be joyful. What's there to be joyful about? And then the grumbling, then the confrontation starts. And these are supposed to be Christians. Again, the label heads are the self-proclaimed Christians. And I say that because they don't act very Christ-like. They want to confront, they want to complain, they want to grumble. Remember this, brothers and sisters. Heed this word. Heed this word and hear what I tell you. Jesus sacrificed himself and he went to the garden and he prayed so fervently and so hard that he broke blood vessels in and around his face. They burst and he sweat blood. And he also said, Father, if there be any way, take this cup from me. And then he, in nearly the same breath, or very shortly afterward, he said, but your will be done, not mine. He knew that he came for a reason. And can you think, think for a moment, put, your, put Jesus in your little grumble mode, that if Jesus had come and complained and griped about having to be crucified, and he didn't get crucified, that he went and he hid himself away. As many so-called Christians do. They leave church earlier. They're looking at their watch constantly and they take off and then they go to the house to watch the game. I don't know what kind of sports they had going there. They had foot races. 
But can you imagine if Jesus took off and decided to go to the foot races and started to go do what he was, what it was intended that he do? Found every excuse to get away from what he was supposed to do? <laughs> but he didn't. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he came for that reason. And then he, no, Father, thy will be done. I know why I came here. See, I know that I am supposed to be about my father's business. So I prayed about this. God presented me with this gift, this podcast that he condones he believes it's he believes it's a good thing it's a good way to spread his truth knowledge and wisdom and that he blesses me by allowing me to be the delivery he allows me to be the conduit for that truth knowledge and wisdom that he imparts thank you father god abba yahweh praise your name father thank you and for any of you out there that have an ear to hear the truth, seek his knowledge and wisdom. Thank you, Father. And we have to know and understand some things that are relevant and true. I've shared this with you before, but we can find it in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, they send you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What did the Lord mean by that? Well, I went and took a look at some things and researched some things and because of the <clears throat> because of the lack of certain abilities that, that serpents have or don't have and the reality is that they have to be they have to have this wisdom and he says that because serpents feed they survive, they reproduce, and they're able to hide quite well. They're able to do these things because of wisdom that God imparted. So Jesus is explaining here in Matthew, he says, be wise like the serpents, but be harmless as doves, bringing peace, bringing compassion, bringing love, but be wise. Don't go out and do foolish things that put you out in the, as some would say in more modern language, on front street. which means don't go and draw attention for attention's sake. 
Remember what Jesus has told us is that when you do that thing, you have received your reward because what you're seeking is the attention of those around. You're not doing the Father's will. You're not doing the Father's business. You're seeking attention for attention's sake. That's putting things on front street. And we don't want to do that. Remember when Jesus was talking about Pharisees and the things that they were doing, that he was telling us that we don't want to be as they are, to go out in prayer and make it all a public display. Because in doing that, we get our reward. We get the attention of the people that are watching them. Wow, look at that. Oh, look at that. These things that we do in the Lord's name and about his business is not to draw attention to us. This that I share is not attention for me. This is to give glory to God and be about his business and share with others to give them the opportunity to be saved, to give them the opportunity to be redeemed, to give them the opportunity to become an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ and to go to heaven, to share that opportunity with them because that's what God wants us from us. He wants us to be in heaven with him. He wants us to be his child. He wants us to be able to share that with others and give that to them. This is what God desires for us to do for others. To share that with others so that they have that opportunity. And that's our job or you can put it that way or request of God which he does, I mean, but we have to follow his commandments, his tenets. And it's not an easy thing, brothers and sisters. It's not an easy thing because all around us in this world, there are distractions. There are things that try to take us away from what we're supposed to be doing. And that thing that we're supposed to be doing is sharing God's word, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. The things that I share with you do not come from my head. They're thoughts that the Holy Spirit implants, shares with me. But I'm doing this because I want others to have the opportunity to go to heaven. Others to have the opportunity to be joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. That's powerful. That is powerful. But what's very sad is just like um, in Matthew 11, Jesus talks about some of these cities. Pardon me as I sip my coffee. But Jesus talks about some of these cities where he went to. And it says in verse 20, 
Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Upbraiding, what does that mean? Well, upbraiding is um, you lay blame or put upon them disapproval. And as Jesus is doing, that was an expression of reproof, discredit, or disgrace in this case. And it was a cause for disgrace. He did mighty works and healings, but yet, as a group, as a whole, they decided that they would not repent and that Jesus was not important. That there were other things that were more important. <clears throat> and Jesus expresses woe unto the Chorazin, woe unto the Bethesda. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Why did Jesus express that? Well, my perspective and my perception is that because they were ignorant and they really didn't have knowledge. But what makes it worse for Bethesda, Capernaum, and these other cities were because they knew, they witnessed, and they saw, and yet they belittled and they saw and they knew who Jesus was. But they rebuked him. As it was when he went to Nazareth. Some people don't know this. That Jesus went to his hometown. And he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. Nazareth was a... Um, if I can describe it as more of a commune than a a village as it was with in their day. There were not many what they would call modern amenities that most other cities had. They didn't have any paving in the streets. They didn't have any public buildings. They didn't even have a They didn't have a temple of their own. And Jesus went to Nazareth. And what did they do? They belittled him, degraded him, 
ignored him, and then he challenged him. And they said, why should we believe what you bring to us? We know who you are. We know your mother. We know your father. We know your brothers and sisters. We know your cousins. We know your family. We know who you are. You're the son of Joseph that carpenter. We know who you are. Why should we believe anything you have to say? What authority do you have? The devil was working really hard. And Jesus did very little in Nazareth because there was rebuking of his word and his truth. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They rebuked his authority. They didn't believe in the authority that he had. And it was very difficult for him to accomplish anything because of lack of faith. And Jesus had used that term several times with his disciples and others. And he rose up to a challenge from that though. And before he expressed and did what he was gonna do, he said, oh, ye of little faith. That was a term that he used when he was napping in the boat. They had seen miracles. They had seen what authority that Jesus had over everything. They had already seen that and witnessed that. And when he went to lay down in the back of the boat, because he was tired, I mean, he was, he was indeed the son of God, but as a coming to this earth as a man, weaknesses and things that he had here, he was tired and he had been preaching all day and been doing all these things. And remember when the woman came and she had that, that issue of blood and she came in the crowd and she pressed against and she grabbed the hem of his garment? He felt virtue leave his body. And when he expressed that, he said, who touched me? And the disciples didn't understand. Well, Jesus, everybody's touching you. There, there's thousands here. They're pushing in to see who you are. He said, no, that's not what I mean. And then explained to them, he felt the virtue that was part of him when he heals people, leave his body and go into her. And she was so compelled that she confessed to him. She said, it was me, my Lord. I thought if I just touched your garment, these doctors have been, they've been trying for years and years and years. And I just thought if I just touched you. He commended her faith. just to contact and be with him, to hear him, to touch him. Just like the centurion, when the centurion came. And he expressed to Jesus, he expressed to Jesus his belief first, but then he also expressed to Jesus, he said, as you are, I too am under authority. 
And I have authority. When I tell my soldiers, my troops, when I tell them to jump, they say how high. When I tell them to march, they march. When I tell them to fight, they fight. He recognized authority that Jesus has. He recognized that in that day. And he said it would not be prudent for us to be seen traveling together because of my authority is at enmity with yours. And Jesus blessed him. And he also used him as an example. And he turned and he spoke. He said, in all of Jerusalem, I have not seen such faith. This man came and knowing that he could cause harm to be brought to Jesus and ridicule to himself, he said, you know, all you have to do is say so and I believe it will be done. You don't even have to be there, Lord. I believe. I believe you have that power and authority. And he left and he went back to his residence. And they came out and met him. And they said, the boy is healed. The boy is healed. He's healed. And the centurion asked, at what hour? And when they told him, he knew that it was that self-same hour that Jesus spoke the words. Your faith has healed him. We have so many doubts and we give more authority. An interesting sermon that was shared a couple weeks ago. Uh, Maybe more than that. But um, Brother James, not my executive pastor, but um, one that he, a gentleman that he gets to come and he was sharing with authority. And as it is in this day and so much, so often around us, we see that individuals will try to take false authority. They might have power with monetary gain that they have, And they like to throw that around, but they don't have true authority. Authority that Jesus Christ has, pardon me, an authority that Jesus exhibited. But here's the thing that we have to remember too, and I, I love this thing here. This is in 2 Corinthians 4.18. We have to fix our eyes, not on what we see, what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Paul also writes that we walk by faith, not by sight. True Christians, not label heads, 
not self-proclaimed, but true Christians walk by faith. Because if they walk on what they see, then they become fearful. It's just like the enemy, when he puffs himself up to be this great dragon, this great thing, makes himself appear to be more powerful than what he is. Because you see, the enemy, the devil, does not have true authority. He has trickery and he has things that he can do to convince us by deception. And I've shared it with you before, false evidence appearing real. And I'm going to go back because this is very powerful, very important in Luke. In the book of Luke, chapter 10. I'm going to begin in verse 17 because this is important. Jesus had sent, sent his disciples out. Two by two. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he cautioned them. He said unto them, Behold, Satan, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what we need to be happy about. That's what we need to rejoice about. Don't get caught up in this celebration of, oh man, look what I did, look what I did, look what I did. This is the warning that Jesus is giving to the disciples. You don't want to do that because then you get caught up in, yeah, look what I did, man. I, I spoke Jesus' name and that little critter went scurrying off to the darkness and I saved him and I saved him. Here's, here's the truth. Here's the absolute truth. Any pastor, any pastor, I don't care who he is, does not have the authority of salvation. That's the truth. And that's in the word of God. So if they claim that authority and that power that they don't have, they are teaching false doctrine and they are teaching forward doctrines. We are saved by grace that God imparted unto us through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son. That is the only authority for salvation. You might deliver a word, which is what I'm called to do, share the word, share the truth, and if your heart is tugged and pulled by the Holy Spirit and you come and you make the choice and the decision. See, because that, that power and authority is really belongs to you. Doesn't belong to the preacher. Doesn't belong to the elder of the church. Doesn't belong to anybody that's doing all the, uh, don't want to sound disrespectful, but 
a lot of people call it this, the mumbo jumbo that they do, they don't have that authority. The authority is through Jesus Christ and we share that authority. He's given us that authority, but that is where it comes from. So no pastor, no elder has the authority for salvation. They don't. That comes from the grace of God through belief in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who came and died for us on the cross. So we're not saving. And then, of course, there will be those who are going to be contrary and confrontational. And they're going to say, then what good is it? Well, the good is that I'm presenting as God has indicated to me and given me the authority for as I am to share his truth, knowledge, and wisdom, that I am to give the opportunity for individuals to choose to be saved. Remember what it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We are given a choice. The Lord made us inhabitants of this plane of existence with a free will choice. Just like the cities of Capernaum, Bethesda, Nazareth, their choice was not to believe in Jesus. Their choice was not to believe that he had any kind of authority. Let's flip the coin over and look at this though. The demons, even the demons from hell, knew the authority that Jesus has. When Jesus stepped off the boat and the individual who was living amongst the tombs, they recognized his authority, immediately recognized his authority. There was no trumpet from Gabriel, pa, 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 Jesus is here. Let's introduce Jesus, he's here. None of that took place. The disciples didn't jump off the boat and go before him and say, hey, you, running around over there in the tombs. This is Jesus, he's coming over here to fix you. None of that took place. Jesus Christ merely stepped off the boat. And as soon as his foot hit land, That individual, the demoniac, demoniac, as they called them, they were possessive demons, came and threw himself down at Jesus' feet. And the demons that possess this man, they recognized him and they declared it immediately. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we know who you are. Are you here to destroy us? And the conversation between Jesus and the demons continued and saved and cleansed the man. <clears throat> and they begged the Lord not to destroy them, but to send him out. And as you know, the rest of the story, some of you may or may not know the rest of the story. He cast the demons out because he demanded their name. And he said, we are called legion, for we are many. 
The man had been possessed by many demons. And Jesus cast them out, sent them into a herd of swine that were foraging nearby. And they ran amok and they ran into the sea. But the demons recognize the authority that Jesus has. And he has shared that authority. He gives us that authority. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, which means that he gives us authority over the devil himself. And yet there are label heads and self-proclaimed Christians that say that they can't fight the devil because he's too powerful. He's too much like God. What? He's not anything like God. God is sovereign. He is not sovereign. Only to those that are in hell and that he's got with him kicking them around and taking and using and abusing them. He has no authority. He's deceptive. He's a liar. He makes things appear to be something that they're not. False evidence appearing real. Anagram of fear. What are you afraid of? Oh, oh, the devil's so powerful. No, he's not. Jesus himself gave us authority over the devil. We can step on the heads of the serpents and step on the scorpions, which is Bible speak for the demons that come. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I don't declare that authority and claim that authority, I'll trip and fall, but you have to claim that authority, declare that authority, seek that authority, and believe that that authority is given. And that's true authority. True authority, not false. Because you think, and because you have money, because you have more than somebody else does, So individuals that think that they have more than somebody else, that's false authority. They might have power because they can do things with money, but they don't have any true authority. True authority, they don't have. The only one that has that is the only begotten Son of God. And here's something here that that uh, <laughs> Jesus rebuked one of his disciples. Um, and this is in Matthew chapter 9, actually. And... Here's how we 
get sometimes in this day, this time. So, Jesus is talking about the faith and authority. And there were those that were following Jesus. And this is, uh, we're going to go back up to verse 38. And behold, a man of the company cried out saying, Master, I beseech thee, Look upon my son, for he is mine only child. <clears throat> and lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, that he foameth again, and bruising him, hardly departed from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering, saying, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered every one at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not the saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not. And they feared to ask him of that saying. Why would they be fearful of asking their teacher, their master, their rabbi? Don't be afraid to ask God. This is what many people do. Well, you know, God is too powerful. The Lord's too powerful. The Holy Spirit, that's all comes to the power of God. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And they find every excuse as to why not to ask God. God likes to do things. Even what we might think is menial, God appreciates it because we're talking to him. He is our father. But then as we continue here further in verse 46, then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. And Jesus perceiving that thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you shall the same the same shall be great. John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followed not with us. So what they were doing and what John has expressed is what the disciples fell into sometimes. They were just men. But Jesus rebuked that. And the reason he did so is because that authority was not theirs. He had not given them that authority. And he told them. Jesus said unto him, forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. 
This man was declaring the authority and power of Jesus Christ. And he was not coming to condemn the disciples. He was not coming to put his hand on Jesus and deliver him up for crucifixion. He was declaring the power and authority of the Lord. And because John expressed what they were all thinking openly, he said, hey, this guy isn't, he's not in our group, Lord. He's not with us. And Jesus said, hey, you can't do that. His declaration is in my name, his declaration of the authority that I have, and he's not claiming that for himself. And this is what he tried to explain to them over here when we, when we jump from verse, from chapter nine, we jump over here to chapter 10. And those 70 were all jumping around, they're all happy about they, what they had been doing in Jesus' name. So this is what Jesus is trying to say. The authority that he presents or he has given, we cannot claim and be so just. This is what many do today. You have pastors and you have elders of a church and they will express, oh yeah, I, I saved them. I, I prayed over them and, and they were saved. I did this, I did this. And this is contrary to what Jesus is telling us to do. Be thankful that that authority has been shared with us, but don't declare it as your own because it's not your own. Be thankful that your name got written down in a nice little golden check mark next to it because you did that thing in faith. That's what you're happy about. Not that you're doing this thing. Not that you're casting out demons. Not that you say this because the salvation comes from the grace of God, the blood of the lamb who was sacrificed, not by your authority because you don't have that authority. You can share that. What authority we have is to share the word of God, the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom that comes from the Bible, comes from our Lord God Almighty. And we can share that truth with individuals so that they too can become an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God and become a resident of the kingdom of heaven. That authority we have, not for salvation, not for redemption and not for cleansing. We can help lead individuals there, which is all we have can do, but we do not have the authority We can heal. We can claim the authority that is in Jesus, the Lord. We can pray over that. But you have to remember something. And this is, again, in the scripture. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I didn't share with many, but my brother, my oldest brother just passed away Friday. But in my soul and in my heart, I, I am good with that. 
Because if God decided in his will that he would save my brother and that he would heal him completely and allow him to be here, glory to God, hallelujah, all might and majesty to be declared is from him. And then on the other hand, if he decides to take him home, which he did, hallelujah, all might and majesty that is his. And my brother's healed anyway, because the word tells us that all things shall be made new. All things. There will be no more pain, no more tears, so all the things that my brother is going through here on this plane of existence was taken. And he is now with my mom and dad. They're enjoying each other's company, aunts and uncles and those that had left before. And he's walking and talking with the Lord. This is powerful. So I'm good either way. It would have been awesome if the Lord decided that he could stay, but he took him home. I don't question that because it's not for me. The Lord is sovereign. His will be done. There are things here that happen in this plane of existence because mammon brings it upon mammon. And we walk in that. So, brothers and sisters, share what authority has been given And that authority is of Jesus, the grace of God, the mercy of the Lord, because by grace we are saved and not by works. And this is what many will do. Oh yeah, I prayed over them and I brought them to church and and they came and I saved them. Ah, uh, no, you didn't. You threw them a lifeline. You pulled them into the boat. And that golden rope that they pulled onto, that anchor line, they, they, they chose to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. That saved them. You didn't save them. You just gave them the opportunity to hear the word, the truth, the knowledge, and wisdom of God. And by his grace are they saved. And not by your authority or anything that you did. We have to remember that, brothers and sisters. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. And his grace. Every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me.
Be blessed. You're in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Be blessed.